Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Talk Mississippi live in Greenville today at the Delta Soul Charity Golf Event. We just got done talking with Richard Berge. Uh, that video is real, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Looked it up at the break. Kind of a shame that I did it, I'm but gonna, I did it. That's one of those things. As soon and as the show's real. over, I'm going to go to the car. I'm, I'm pulling out the phone. I'm going to look at the video, and then I'll drive home. <laughs> and but then a cop take... sees you. <laughs> no, I'll, I pulled you over for texting no, no. and driving. I'll Actually, the, officer, I'll sit in the parking look at lot. This. I'll sit in the parking lot. I, I don't think, yeah, you're right. I mean, you won't believe what I just saw. I don't want to deal with that. No. Borky and the Bryans with you on this Thursday afternoon, just two days, guys, before we have two super regional teams in the state of Mississippi. When is the last time that happened, by the way? Both teams were in super regionals? Yeah. I mean, the last time Ole Miss was in Omaha was 14, and State was – That's their last Super Regional too, right? And Yes, that's their so last then, Super Regional. I was Ole Miss in uh, Super Regional in 13? No. Then it's – were they in Super Regional in 11? No. Then this never happened. How about that? Unless so Ole Miss oh, was in 107? 5, 06, 07, then 07. Did Ole Miss host in 07? No, they, uh, they went to Arizona State. Okay. But they still both went that year. Yeah, State hosted Clemson that year. So it's been 12 years since this has happened. I feel like that's being undersold, and I guess maybe that's part of uh, – that's, that's a me problem here, but well, that, think, that is really cool. I think part of that is if they were both in Mississippi this week, it would be the biggest story, and we couldn't get away from it, and, it, and we shouldn't get away from it. No, gosh. With, no. with one team traveling – and not to take a knock at Ole Miss, they had a great season and they finished very strong. But it, it does sort of you like, ah, they're in Fayetteville. It's sort of yeah. an out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. For sure. Absolutely. And you can text the show, 601-879-4395. We'll do a lot of Super Regional previewing tomorrow. We have a pretty heavy guest lineup today. And uh, it is definitely uh, worth hearing for you. We've got songwriters. We've got the guitarist from Prince's Band. I'm not kidding. Des Dickerson will join us today. Corey Miller played for the New York Giants. He will be on the show with you today. Reggie Smith at some point will be here uh, we, we had him and we lost him. He's somewhere on the grounds right now. A lot going on here. You can do that when you're a celebrity. Yeah, you know. We, you, if you go somewhere, people are like, where the hell is that guy? <laughs> Get him back here. Um, this is something that we started talking about yesterday, hey, Dad. And, and I don't think we did it enough justice, to tell you the truth. So I'm circling back. Sure. And I'm going to bring it to you today. So we, we spent a lot of time yesterday on, on Ole Miss and the perception of Matt Luke, uh, how he's done this offseason. And then we brought up briefly – Mississippi State's offseason, which has come with a lot less fanfare because they didn't have a full staff turnover or anything like that. Right. They didn't replace both coordinators partially because the head coaches Had won. some staff turnover. Though. Had some staff turnover. But the key is for that team, everybody's going to talk about the defense and can they replace Jeffrey Simmons right. and can they replace Montez Sweat. But if you look at their defense, they still have a ton of veterans. Yeah, The offense is the story. Transfer quarterback, mm-hmm. presumably going to be the starter. You don't grad transfer to a school unless you expect to be the starting quarterback. Correct. And now, already the most talented receiver on that team is another graduate transfer. Yeah. 
So should Mississippi State fans be not worried, but worried about their team, their offense specifically, being dependent heavily on a graduate transfer? I don't think so. I mean, if, if you're saying this the context of this year, obviously that's a great thing. You know, you, you've had a couple of weak spots and you feel like you, you bumped them up a little bit. If you're talking about is it going to become a, a trend or something like that, well, A, I think this is sort of like the wave of the future is coaches are going to do their recruiting and then when there's a, a still a spot that's weak, they're going to go out and try to find the best possible transfer. Yeah. Saban's been doing it for a, a few years now, and then it's, it's, it's such a copycat world out there. Um, but I, I think that, you know, look at Stevens, right? What did we say all last year about Moorhead? Oh, well, once he gets his quarterback. Fitzgerald's yep. just not his quarterback. Well, now he's got his quarterback. And, and that wasn't excuse-making. That was accurate. And, and then he's got his quarterback of the future. He's got right. Schrader on campus, and now he's recruiting. He's got the Will Rogers kid committed from Brandon. So he's getting his style of quarterback onto campus. And maybe Stevens can just be a bridge from that to this. Same with, with Zuber. I look at Zuber the way – imagine if there had been a five-star junior college receiver last year that State was able to get committed. Right. It's the same thing. The guy but, comes well, it's, in – Well, maybe it's not the same thing, though, because this dude was successful at the Power 5 level in the Big 12 on a team that of, didn't throw the ball well. Just in terms of this guy's going to come in, he's only going right. to be there a year. You know? Yeah. That, that's what you're getting from this. So, yeah, for, for me, there's no red flags to this. In fact, if anything, it's a positive in two ways. One, uh, State got better. And two, for me – Certainly more talented. For me – this sort of – we just answered a couple of questions for Joe Moorhead. He's got his quarterback. He's improved the receiver position. The offense should be better. If it's not, I think you sort of know what you have with Joe Moorhead, and that's not good. If it is better, then the program can move forward in, in the right direction. A little surprised that KT has not entered the transfer portal yet? Well, I mean, think about Jalen Hurts last year. You know, he, he stuck it out. And, and, yeah. he's, the and it worked was, for him. The thing with Keaton Thompson to remember is this. My, and I, now I'm doing some speculating because I don't know his academic standing. But – what if he's just a, you know, a couple semesters from graduating, right? He could redshirt this year and then enter the portal as a grad transfer and mm-hmm. he'd be eligible automatically. So, or he could, you know, stick it out at Mississippi State. He might – this is something that I think gets overlooked sometimes with these kids is that maybe they just like where they go to school. Asleep, maybe yep. he's got a girlfriend there. Maybe he, he likes his classes. You don't yep. know what's going on in Keaton Thompson's head. So, it could just be that situation. But that said – we could get out of fall camp. They named Tommy Stevens a starter, and he could transfer the next day. So yeah. my guess is Keaton is going to go through fall camp, give it everything he has to win that job, and if he doesn't win it, he'll reevaluate there at the end of the uh, at the beginning of August, I guess, or are the end guys, of August. Are you guys okay? I'll point this to you, Rippy, with how the transfer portal has been used because I am a big proponent of athletes having more power to make their own decisions. If a coach can sign a new extension, then a month later just up and leave and go to another job and and all these coaches sell commitment and commit to our program and all this stuff and they can up and leave. I think if a player's in a bad situation, they should be able to do the same thing. But do you think the way they go about it right now is okay? It's not their fault the way they go about it. It's with how they have to nag about well, not just the players, the but I'm talking the entire implementation of the transfer portal of everything. Are you okay with how it's working? Yeah, they should be able to do whatever they want. Just free full transfer no matter what. I could do that. I didn't play sports. I could too. I've always uh, that is you hit it right there, there, Rippy. I've always said that it's like a kid who's majoring in chemistry decides in his sophomore year, oh, I don't want to be at the school anymore. They don't make him sit out of class for a year, right? So yeah, just let the kids go. And, and if people want to say, oh, it's gonna make it hard on the coaches. They pay these coaches millions. Yeah. Figure it out, baby. FIO. <laughs> and they certainly. Uh, 
especially now with how you're seeing a surplus of guys that are in the portal. There, there are more guys that are transferring than schools are willing to take in at this moment. And you might see, because people warned about chaos, right? That, oh, it's just going to be open season, and everybody's going to transfer everywhere, and it's going to be chaos, and this is so bad for college football, and yet nothing bad has happened. How many blue-chip guys really transferred? Justin Fields. Fields. Jalen Hurts. Eason. E- Jacob Eason. Yeah. And Hurts was a backup. And, and, and Jacob Eason being is a not a grad transfer. He wasn't eligible immediately. He sat out last season. He did. Martell so, kid. Martell. Um, Tate's and Martell. One. So you've got some high-end quarterbacks. But for the most part, the people transferring are the same people. You transfer they, if you're not going to play. If they can't play some, comes down somewhere to. else. And I, with Isaiah Zuber. They're moving to – I don't know if you know their new coach. He was at, I think, North Dakota State. Yes, he was. They run a – I mean, you just thought Bill Snyder was run heavy. This guy <laughs> is a old-fashioned option, power-eye kind of coach. It makes sense for a wide receiver to want to go in his final year. So he felt right. like he had a better opportunity. I, I was surprised to make it Mississippi State. I, I didn't think that that was going to be an option, but it turned out that way. So there, there's but, no so, reason to hold these people back from living their right. lives just because they're college athletes. Especially because chaos didn't happen. Yeah, everybody warned. That's the thing about these college football purists, most notably people that uh, are in the pocket of the NCAA when things like this happen. Oh, you can't. You will ruin the integrity of college football if you open up transfers. The integrity of college. Exactly. See, it's just ridiculous. But you get that all the time. And now in practice, it doesn't seem so bad. The way people get immediately eligible is a problem. It's not their fault. It's not their fault, yeah. but that is a that is a problem, an unintended consequence. Even though everybody could have seen that coming, but college football in its current state, it's not any different. I mean, they're they're making more money than ever, yeah. But I mean, are, are people not watching the games on Saturday this fall because well, this team got a guy that transferred from one school after he did all of his academic work and earned a degree. No, that's not happening, is it? No. So maybe everything's not as bad as people want to tell you it is. It's too football obsessed for it to matter. It's like that failed NFL boycott. It didn't really do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently that's going to be coming again, by the way. Why? What happened? What it never NFL came. Yeah, coming again means ne- it came well, the first time. But, it didn't, but it the, didn't show up. The momentum and all that for stuff what? is it, a, a new CBA. What, what's happening is especially – well, baseball players are seeing it too, but they have less bargaining power – is – NFL players are seeing what the NBA players make mm-hmm. and what their CBA is. I mean, they get half the revenue. Yeah, not that way in the NFL. So there is there is a working theory that we could see a strike down the road in the NFL and Major League Baseball. Pretty significant. May not ever get here. We'll have a lot more. Baseball is one hundred percent headed to it. That'll kill that sport, won't it? Or at least the league for a while. It's already a niche sport. Ooh, that's 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 bordering on the edge of hot take there. Uh, we'll continue on it's that next. It's got a next. whiff of it, a whiff of hot take. I, I like where we're going with this. We'll continue that next. Sports Talk Mississippi live in Greenville. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. Any time is the 4 o'clock hour Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy, and Reggie Smith with you. 
Baseball legend is what I have here on my notes, and it's uh, hard to disagree with that, sir. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We appreciate your time this afternoon. So, every time I talk to a former baseball player, I always ask this question because it fascinates me the most. You played 60s to the 80s. Modern baseball now, with the high home run rates and the high strikeout rates and not much in between, do you like the direction baseball's gone with, with that? Do you... How different is it than when you played? Uh, in all honesty, I, I really don't like uh, I, I call it trajectory that it's on right now because uh-huh. it's either hit or miss. Um, I understand the reason for the analytics as it relates to uh, being profitable as mm-hmm. an organization. It seemed like in the past the owners used uh, teams as, as a hobby, but they had to make money. But what's happened with in the trend of the analytics that uh, they're using, uh, to me, is giving the players an excuse to be mediocre hmm. because either you hit a home run or you strike out. And I don't understand that approach to, uh, to playing the game. Uh, I, I still like the little things, the small ball. For instance, it's more exciting, and I think uh, it'll be – more exciting for the fans to start seeing hitting and running, seeing steal, seeing the players able to use better bat control and, and execute the little things that you need to do to score mm-hmm. runs because that's still what it's all about. Often, too often you see a lot of strikeouts, nothing happens in it towards the end of the game, someone hits a home run and the game's over. Yeah. But in between there, there, there's not a lot of action. When you watch baseball today, who's a player that you look at and you go, he could have played when I was playing and been a star? Uh, I, I look at uh, Mike Trout, uh, Mookie Betts, a lot of some of the young players, and, and what you'll see uh, that they not only hit for power, but they hit for average as well, and they do a lot of the little things well. They play good defense, they run the bases uh, exceptionally well, those type of things. So. Um, there are other players out there, and you, this young uh, Acuna with the Braves that, that you have. And uh, you'll see uh, the Vlad Guerrero, Tatis. A lot of these young I'm, I'm impressed with how they play the game because they, they play old school stuff. And, of course, with Tatis and Guerrero, those guys, who dad, their dad played the game, so they should have that, that, that foundation there. Yes, and, and you, you, you see the way that they play. And, and their numbers are, are going to, to equate, I think, to today's uh, game as it relates to the analytics because they'll be able to achieve the, the higher numbers as well and still be productive. What do you think you would have done in the modern game? Uh, I, I still think that I, I would have accomplished the things that I did because it was just a matter of adjusting. You know, we saw good pitching. Uh, the, it's, it's just a matter of adjusting. I don't know if I could could buy into, well, don't worry about striking out. In my day, you struck out 100 times and you did it a couple of years in a row. You better be hitting 40 home runs and driving in 100. Otherwise, they sent you back to the minor leagues mm-hmm. to, to work on those things. I used to tell them, I said, we were like uh, uh, food. Uh, you would You would get called up. You didn't do something. You say, well, we're going to send you back to the minor league for more seasoning. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Reggie Smith is with us right now on Sports Talk Mississippi, a seven-time All-Star. You won a World Series as well. Tell us about that. What's it like winning a World Series? 
it's every little boy's dream. That, that, to me, that's what you played for. I used to, t <laughs> I used to tell people, uh, they didn't, we weren't making a whole lot of money back then, so I said, we didn't, they didn't pay us to play the game. We played because we loved it. They paid us for the aggravation. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's good stuff. So what was it like playing under Tommy Lasorda? I imagine there probably wasn't many dull moments. No, you know, uh, the one thing about Tommy, Tommy had great memory, but he was smart enough to let us play the game. We pretty much control things that the players did. We knew how to play. We knew what to do. And oftentimes he would come in and say, hey, what do you, what do, you do? What would you do in this situation? So it kept your mind in the game, and you felt like uh, you were contributing to the outcome of the ball game. So uh, it, it, it was really enjoyable playing for him from that standpoint because, like I said, he, he, he let us play. For a guy who's played in both leagues as long as you did, like what is the biggest difference hopping from the American to the National League for when, you? When when I was playing, you had basically two different strike zones. The uh, umpires in the American League used the big balloon uh, the protectors, so they called a higher strike. In the National League, they had the inside, and they would be down until you got the lower strike. Me... Uh, being a switch hitter, like I was, I was a high ball hitter, right-handed, and a low ball hitter, left-handed, and the National League had more power pitchers uh, than the American League at that time. And uh, when I when I came over from the American League, they said, "Well, guy, he he has trouble hitting a high pitch left-handed, but the high pitch was just above my belly button." In the American League, it was armpit, so they were throwing that ball down, and I was. I was having pretty good success in the National League. They said, we thought you said this guy couldn't hit the high pitch. Well, you know, that pitch is right down the, the middle there to me in, in, in a nice spot. And the old timers used to say those high pitches are already over the fence. All you got to do is hit it. Would you support – there's a push, a growing push, for an automated strike zone where the umpire doesn't call balls and strikes anymore. They use the thing you see on television, the K zone, and that's how they would call balls and strikes. Would you support that? Not really, because I, I, I know you have to make changes, make adjustments in, in the way things are going, but that's going to take away some of the excitement of the game. You know, the umpires, they're human. There are times, yeah, you get mad when they, you say they missed a call. I would rather see it what, more of what they're doing now on the basis, because this, that's the difference of... of uh, you winning and losing, an umpire miss a call on one of the bases or something like that. You want him to get it right, but it, it's tough enough hitting that ball. And umpires are having to get used to seeing uh, pitches move and the, those borderline pitches. They're they're a part of the game. Mm -hmm. They're 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 part of the excitement because the people like to yell at them. The fan like to yell at them, and the same the same with all of them. So I, I don't I don't want them to go to an automated strike zone. Do you ever get into it with one? Oh, yeah. What was it? <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> the PG version, what's the worst thing you ever said to an umpire? Um, they'll punch a hole in that mask. <laughs> <laughs> what was the fine for getting tossed back then? Probably uh, $50. So not as bad as today. Well, think about it. You know, when, inflation, yeah. when when the uh, major league minimum was seven thousand dollars, you were you were clearing after taxes around two hundred and something dollars uh, every two weeks out of your paycheck. So, 
uh, a $50 fine, a $100 fine. That was a lot of money because that half your rent. You mentioned excitement in the game a couple of times. You mentioned the small ball and more motion, and I think that's definitely what's hurting baseball, particularly watching it on television. But the other side of it is the theatrics, the bat-flipping guy showing more emotion. Where do you stand on that? Because there seems to be like an internal conflict between the older guys in the game and the younger guys as to what is allowed and what is not. Things like that, uh, in my day, it was uh, equivalent to showing a pitcher up, showing up another player. You didn't do that. But see, back then, they could buzz your tower, and you know you, you expected to get knocked down if, if you did something like that. And flipping the bat, that whole thing was about, you know, act like you've done it before. Before we get out of here, you're wearing your shirt, Reggie Smith Academy. You were at a baseball academy teaching kids earlier today is what we were told. Tell us about the academy and what you're doing. Well, my academy is a little bit different than what you uh, normally see in uh, ex-players or people that have uh, batting, uh, baseball schools. Mine is, is geared around serving the community, the underserved uh, members of the community, and having requirements that they maintain certain GPAs, a, a minimum of 3.0, and they need to be looking to go to college. So everything that, that I do it, is geared to getting kids into college because I tell them education is, is bigger and greater than uh, uh, baseball. And I use statistics like out of 5 million people that are playing baseball, you think of the number of players that actually make it to the major leagues, is it's less than uh, 1%. And you were that 1%, though. Well, I was, you know, in the right place at the right time. That's Reggie Smith. Played on, uh, what, four teams, four major league teams, right? Uh, yes, I played with the Boston Red Sox, St. Louis Cardinals, Los Angeles Dodgers, one year in San Francisco, and two years in Japan. Seven-time All-Star World Series champion Reggie Smith on your radio at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live on supertalk.fm, live in Greenville. We'll be right back in the Renaissance Bank studio. a lot of fun. We have a, a little bit of time to do it, but a lot of fun we're about to have. We've got sitting in front of us right now Corey Miller, played in the NFL, and Gary Valentine, who's an did actor. Did not play in the NFL. Did not play in the NFL. Either did I. I mean, no, I don't right. know if you, if you can tell. I'm built pretty good. I'm built kind of well, like Well, I mean, you. a lot of guys, you know, lose weight after they retire. <laughs> health That's reasons. what happened to me. You know, you know exactly. a lot of health yeah. reasons. Uh, off the juice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you drop the juice, you become a, a, a jock. Yeah, yeah, you look like me. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I used to look like that. You don't need all that. See, the game has changed. So I look can... like that every yeah. morning, and then I take a shower, and it washes right off. Man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where to even begin with the two of you? I'll start with you. I asked the, the same question earlier. Of all the things you've done on television, all the movies, is there a role that you took that you wish you hadn't? 
Actually, no. Really? <clears throat> yep. I've loved everything I've done because I've, I've thought about it before taking it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a good move. I mean, there are things that I've done that didn't turn out as well as I thought it'd be, but I never, never, uh, you know, doubted the, the choice All right. initially. And because we asked uh, Richard Berge that earlier, yeah, and he apparently does not read scripts before he takes roles, and one well, of them it he shows, had, doesn't it show? Yeah, <laughs> he told that us guy, about a particular he video. Cannot and... act. <laughs> he's just good looking. That that's half the battle, right? Look good. No, he's a phenomenal guy and funny, very funny because he and he does a lot of straight roles, obviously because yeah. his looks, you know. Um, but he's he's amazing. He's uh, he's done. So much stuff. And I, I first recognized him on Seinfeld, and I have met him here. And I'm looking at this guy going, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah, it's, uh, what was the line? Um, uh, breathtaking. It was, you're yeah. breath, it's breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was breathtaking. Corey Miller. So I, I'm going to, you have a son that now is in the NFL. And mm-hmm. this is something that fascinates me because uh, you went to South Carolina. I grew up in South Carolina in Greenville. Um, recruiting then, but when you were getting recruited back in, well, I guess, the late 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And now, how much has that changed? Uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, of course, uh, you know, when I was coming along in the 80s, you didn't have the social media, media factor. Uh, you didn't have Twitter and Instagram and all the stuff now that even the coaches have to use mm-hmm. for recruiting. I mean, because now there's a period, uh, I guess, in recruiting where they can't call the player but they can tweet them or send them a message or something like yeah. that, which is kind of weird. But but I think also uh, when I was coming along versus what my son had to deal with was the fact that fans are now so engaged and, and involved in the recruiting because they can get to you. You know, they want to follow you. They're going to they get on there. They can message you. So so you, now you have that factor. So when kids come down and making decisions, you know, all these folks, they're crystal ball. you got all the websites that follow these kids. I mean, it's a lot. Uh, today, it's a lot of pressure on the kid, you know, whereas when I was coming up in South Carolina with a guy by the name of Phil Cornblute, maybe mm-hmm. another guy from the state newspaper might reach out to you, and that would be it from a media perspective. And you, no fan could get a hold of you. We didn't yeah. even have a phone in the house. You couldn't call me. <laughs> you know what I mean? You couldn't, couldn't beat me or tweet me. Smoke yeah, yeah, you couldn't do any of that stuff. So uh, things have changed drastically in recruiting, um, and I think largely because – uh, the game in itself has become so big. College football is mm-hmm. huge right now. So a lot of money in it. A lot of folks, with, like I said, with the recruiting services, a lot of things that go along. Did anybody with, ever take it too far? Uh, not really. Uh, I think, you know, we did a really good job of protecting him that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a guy that didn't really like uh, the attention. Uh, he kind of wanted to be on the back end of things. And, and so we kind of shielded him, you know, uh, shielded him from that uh, the outside, so to speak. So, uh, he handled it very well. Uh, he got all the letters. You know, all that stuff is the same. You know, some days he would get 20 letters from Florida State. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it's just crazy. But uh, it was fun, but yet nerve-wracking. Don't you wish they did that for movies? Yeah, I was going to say, I know the feeling about 20 letters from school. <laughs> uh, six. They wanted, they recruited me for comedy, and it just uh, didn't work out. But, um, yeah, no, it, it's it's amazing. And Corey's right. The whole world has changed. Even my business has changed. There's so many avenues to deal with now you know so many different um uh places that people can go to watch people watch most of their things on the on the phone now in the airport walking around at the coffee shop you know what's the weirdest thing somebody's ever said to you in public uh 
Wow, you're a lot shorter than I thought. <laughs> really? I'm short. I admire the confidence of somebody to say that to you, right? though. Uh, yeah. I like that. And I, I've heard it from people that are shorter than me, <laughs> yeah. which is tough to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, being I did you know TV for a lot of years, people see in public go, oh, are you not as big as I thought? I'm like, I'm three. Wow, really? was that to you? <laughs> I, yeah. I that's all you um, TV adds a little poundage to you or something. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I guess they, their perspective changed when they see you in, in person. We said, you know, football is obviously very strong. Is comedy strong right now? It is. I, I think comedy is always going to be strong. I mean, come on. It, with music and comedy, that's what people want. They want a good feeling and they want to laugh, you know. It, it's a feel-good business. And I'm glad I'm in it because I got, I got pushed into it, actually, from my mom. My mom signed me up for my first open mic night. Uh, I was coming home from college. And she goes, you're on Wednesday night at the comedy club to do five minutes of your act. I go, I don't have an act. <laughs> she goes, oh, just do what you do. <laughs> just do what you do, yeah. <laughs> so growing up, you know, I was always a ham and stuff. So, you know, that's, that's just how it started. But I think it's always going to be uh, prominent. Who's, who's a comedian right now that you like? Uh, you know what? I just, there's a lot, a lot of new guys are out there that are, I, I like Arch Barker. There's, there's. Obscure guys I like, you know, because yeah. I grew up loving Steve Martin mm. and Andrew Kaufman, you know, uh, Andy Kaufman. Um, his good friends called him Andy. But, uh, <laughs> Andy yeah. You know, really like there. offbeat kind of guys. I yeah. know, that's what I like. Are you worried about, especially in comedy, the changing landscape of social media and, and PC and insensitivity and all that stuff, do you have to change the way you work and what you do because of that, or do you not worry about it? Well, you know what? I, I don't worry about it too much, but I even talk about it because I work clean to mm -hmm. begin with. Yeah. Uh, my content's clean. My language is clean because uh, I'm a man of faith, and I think that's important. I always did that because I always wanted to do TV, and I didn't want to switch up my stuff yeah. to be able to do a Tonight Show set or whatever it is. But, you know, I am really tired of the PC stuff. You know, it's like gone overboard. Everyone, you know, you can't say anything, can't do anything. And there are, you know, limitations. We, we get it. But we're all equal. We're all human beings. We've got to go back to love. Love, you know. Yeah. Love. Like, I have two labs. They love. They love no <laughs> matter what, you know. I got yeah. two labs. I got an African-American and I got a um, beige-American. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Gold, golden American. <laughs> I don't know if you can work clean in football, Corey. That would be, be, be very difficult. Your son just drafted into the NFL. Obviously a different game between when you played and, and now, but what's one lesson? What's something you told him first thing? Like, when you get there, do this. Well, I mean, I always told him, you know, I work everybody. Uh, that was always the message when I coached him in Pop Warner. Uh, it was the message when uh, I resigned from my uh, sports director job in Columbia uh, to do all of his pre-draft uh, on the field training to get him ready for the combine and for pro day. And, you know, the message never changed. One thing you can do is outwork the next person. Well, who is that next person? Whoever. It doesn't matter. You want to put in the work. You want to do over-the-top work. And, and, you know, and, and I always had that mindset of I'm, I'm going to outwork whomever this person is. You know, when, when we're going for the scholarships, I want to outwork this guy that's a linebacker in Iowa. I'm never going to know. You know, but I'm going to work as though I'm working against GV or you or whoever. So it's been the same. So now with Carolina, it's the same message. You know, because the NFL means not for long. You know, you got a window of opportunity, and it closes very quickly. And, and so you got to maximize every chance, every day, every lift, every run, every film room as though it's your last. And, and so that's what we talk about, and he understands that. Um, and, you know, we went through college, had a lot of 
of ups and downs, a lot of bumps in the roads with, with, with injuries and things like that. But but he overcame those things, and that's part of it. You know, uh, a guy just asked me a little while ago, is he healthy? I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's football. Nobody's never 100% yeah, healthy. Not for long, being healthy. Yeah. You just have long. to overcome and, and, and make the best of your, your opportunities. I, I, I do comedy through injuries, too. How's <laughs> <laughs> that knee? Sometimes my, knee, yeah. my knees are right good. now, but okay. uh, I was limping for a while. <laughs> Visiting with Corey Miller and Gary Valentine. On that note, the NFL has – they haven't implemented it yet, but they've encouraged – teams to stop doing things like the Oklahoma drill and practice. What do you think about the the direction that football is going away from stuff like that? And when you heard that, did you support it or did you even do it that much in practice? Yeah, I mean, you know, we shoot our camp six weeks with the Giants. It was it was two a day, full pads, you know. And they just don't do that anymore. No, do they? I mean, it's, it is so easy. <laughs> I tell my son, I tell guys, football is a country club. I mean, it's like being out here, you know. Might get a little rain, you get sunshine. <laughs> you know, they can only go full pads for a day. Then they got to get no pads. You can only do certain things. You can't tackle. I mean, it is really, really easy. But I understand with the concussions and everything now that and we're probably, finding out. And probably the money is changing, and the too. Money, uh, yeah, because yeah. the money is so high yeah, now. Yeah, my $35,000 sign-up bonus don't match like $35 <laughs> Couple zeros less. Well, that's the thing. The owners don't want players to get hurt. Same thing. The NFL is soft now, though. It yeah. is soft. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could probably play. You can uh, <laughs> go back and start your career over. Yeah, maybe I can, too. You know? hey, hey, hey. Yeah. He's still, got, still got youth. There's a possibility. My five one speed, you know, <laughs> to those that believe. <laughs> Thank you guys so much thanks. for stopping by. Guys, thanks Hit him a lot. Well. Thanks Which for one's being a better here. player? Uh, well, we both are. Well, I mean, play out like the L A Y A a player. Player. Yeah. I'm the better player. <laughs> He's the better player. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for thanks, supporting guys. this. Uh, yeah, we appreciate absolutely. you guys being here. Thanks absolutely. so much. Of course, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yep. Never use the microphone. Voice you just heard was that of Des Dickerson. And this is going to be really cool. Well, we go from one cool interview to the next today. This is a really special day. We're here in Greenville at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. We just got done talking to an actor and a former NFL player and now a famous guitarist. In 20 there's minutes, we get all of that. Yeah, there, no, there's one here. Don't look around. We're talking about you. You were a part of a pretty special band, I hear. It worked out pretty well. It worked out pretty see, well. See, I'm, I'm just, these guys are young. I am an <laughs> Just old because man. I'm young doesn't mean I don't I, know music. I, I know. I was there when all this happened. That was a phenomenon. That's the only word to describe Prince and the Revolution. That was a phenomenon. What was the point for you where you just like, this is much bigger than I thought it was going to be? I remember this specific moment. We, we, uh, we had just done a couple of what were the, like the biggest TV shows of the day, like American Bandstand or whatever. And we did this show, what we thought was a little radio-sponsored show in, in Denver. And after the show, about 1,500 like screaming kids. So the show was phenomenal. But after the show, there was like a full-on... Night of the Living Dead, like riot, like we're being chased <laughs> by hundreds of kids, like through the snow, seventy miles an hour. So that, it was that moment. It was like, oh, this is what I saw on a hard day's night. This is like the Beatles. This is like, whoa, 
So it was crazy. From that moment on, things changed. And then what? Well, then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. The funny thing is you don't have perspective at the time because at the time you're just knucklehead kids who, on the one hand, because you're kind of too young to know any better, you're like, well, of course this is happening. Of course this, this is the way it should work. But then later on you get perspective and you realize that it very seldom works that way. And, you know, kind of the older you get, the more perspective. I, ideally. <laughs> the more perspective you get. There's also this thing called delusion that can set in, but that's that's, a, that's another story. So you play guitar for Prince, and there's this this old sports story about him uh, that I read a while ago when he rented out Carlos Boozer's home mm. and moved everything out of the home, built a studio and made all the carpet purple and all that. Carlos Boozer had no idea this was happening. <laughs> Typical. He gets injured comes back to his house just to check up on things, and it's entirely different. The gate is changed, everything. Is that a true story? You know, I've heard bits and pieces of that story, although I can't independently corroborate it. (laughs) I know that that's the way he did things, so I'm certain that it's at least (laughs) the kernel of truth in there because he would just do things like that. What's the most shocking thing he ever did? The most shocking thing that you can tell on the radio. Yeah, it's got to be PG. Okay. And oddly enough, I mean, a lot more of it was PG than people think, because all the the like the the outrageousness was it was marketing, you know, it was yeah. it was show business. But you know, the the outrageous things were really subtle. It was things like kind of having no um, no regard, and this is, I got to be careful with this. No regard for money in that it didn't rule his life. So if you handed him change, if he gave you a hundred dollar bill. And, and you gave him back a bunch of change, he would just crumble it up, throw it in the glove box. Because it was just money, you know? Yeah. Wow. It was just that, that was the most outrageous thing. He just lived in a different space than everybody else. You, <laughs> know? you, you could tell that. The 80s for me, so many great guitar players, mm-hmm. and you're one of them definitely. Who would you rank? Who, who, if you could play alongside one guy, play guitar, yeah. who would you choose? Wow, that, that's a tough one. Because, I mean, a, a few of them I, I've, I've known over the years, you know, Eddie Van Halen, and one of my favorites is a guy named Steve Stevens who played with Billy Idol for years. But, man, you know, my favorite, I actually kicked it off a little earlier, kind of late 60s, early Eric Clapton. Not after he switched to the Strat and, and, you know, turned down, but he was in a band called Cream in the late 60s. And for me, that was one of the things that, like, got me excited about playing. You ever get a chance to play with him? Never have. One of the few people that I have. the best guitarist you ever played with? Oh, man. Um, boy, you know what? Actually, oddly enough, there's a guy named Phil Kagey, obscure, because Phil is like, uh, he came out of the whole, the 70s thing and and then became a born again Christian and and became like a Christian artist. So not a lot of people know about him, but he's one of the most amazing players I've ever played with before. Him and, and probably... Ugh. I, I, I'd probably stop there because he's amazing. Mm-hmm. When you when you think about music nowadays, especially like rock music, mm-hmm. is it in a good place right now? You know what? I think it's in a cyclical place. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that's encouraging to me is that, that, like, you know, kids are listening to, you know, vinyl LPs and, you know, you got 14-year-old guys actually practicing. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to look at the young guy when I say this. They're actually <laughs> practicing <laughs> And, you know, they're actually working on their craft because for a while that went away. For a while it came down to, you know, I'm going to send eight or ten emails out to record labels. I expect to be a star by the weekend. 
You know, it, the, the nature of it changed. People didn't put in their, their, their You don't hours. have kids in their garage. Exactly. Not playing for hours anymore. Yeah. But yeah. that's it's it's back now. You're starting to see it. Is there any back. modern band or, or one person in particular that you hear and think they would have really killed it in the '70s and '80s? Gary Clark Jr. is one that comes to mind because he's just like an old soul. Huh. Yeah, see now I got to. Yeah. yeah, he got me. On and, that. And, the, and on the other <laughs> end, I'm like, Who? yeah, uh, you you would it, love Gary Clark. But isn't he amazing? Yeah, he is awesome. But he's like an old soul. You know, yeah. it's like there's it's like there's a 60 year old guy in there yeah. playing and singing that stuff. You know. So you're from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I've I said this on the radio a few weeks ago, and, and I hope I didn't sound stupid when I say it. But I said I'm a big fan of Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones, and I said if not for the Mississippi Blues, they would not have been what they became. Is that accurate? One hundred percent true. And, and the Rolling Stones got their name from a Muddy Waters song. I mean, at the end of the day, the whole the the British explosion was due to blues music, and what what happened was they kind of they would like give their right arm to pay to get like an old, you know, Elmore James disc. And they learned all that stuff and then kind of filtered it through their their sort of Brit thing. And then when the music came back, everybody went, oh. But it was really Mississippi blues that was filtered through just a bunch of English kids. How much did it influence you? Um, A lot later, there were certain players. Because, again, the players that affected me first were the guys that were kind of feeding it back secondhand. You know, it was, you know, Jimmy Page and... And later on, Hendrix. And, but there was a point where certain players, like, you know, obviously B.B. King, who's a Memphis guy, I know. Um, you know, Freddie King. But then, you know, again, Elmore James and um, some of these guys that were doing this amazing slide, like Dobro stuff, that was like a whole other deal. Because you're not hiding behind, like, 15 effects pedals and, you know, 3,000 watts of Marshall. It's just you on a porch. So, and the soulfulness of that is the thing that you can't you can't mimic that you know yeah. what i mean it's it's got to be there when you if i if you and i were getting in the car and take a ride right now and mm-hmm. you, you put on some tunes what are you what are you listening to you know it, it's really weird because i i don't listen to a ton of music what i do like everybody is i kind of spotify and kind of yeah. follow things stream of consciousness but there are certain things my, my oldest son is 32 my youngest son is five as you can see um and he, my oldest son, will occasionally throw me on things and, oh, you got to check this out. There's a band he turned me on to, I don't know, probably two, three years ago, a British band, trio, called Biffy Clyro. That, man, I love that band. I love that band. And I started out, like, listening to the power, power trios when I was a kid and learned to play. And they're a trio, but it's a different take. It's not like, you know, the old power trio thing. So that's probably, I'd probably be listening to them. I talked to an old friend of mine who, who's trying to make it in the music business, and he said the hardest thing starting out was walking and, and getting into a venue, you take the stage, and there's nobody there. There's 5, 10, 15 people mm-hmm. in the audience. Did you ever experience that, and how do you power through something like that? Uh, for years and years, but I tell you what, that's part of, back to the whole thing about you know kids paying their dues, that whole thing, that's part of it. Part of it is becoming big here before you ever become big out here. You don't have the right to be big here until you're big here. Mm-hmm. And until you can go out and have the character to put on a show like you are at the L.A. Coliseum when it's just you, the bartender, and the, and the servers, if you can't do that, then you're not fit for the deal. You're just yeah. not. You know. We don't have a lot of time left, but we've mm-hmm. been having this running debate. Yeah. We're, we're going to ask Steve Azar this question in just a bit. <laughs> what is, for your money, the greatest opening line 
in music history. Oh man, it, it, it's not it's not the opening line, but there's a line from a Hendrix song: "Tire tracks all across your back. I can see you've had your fun." That's it. Drop the mic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good choice. What was yours? Mine is Led Zeppelin. Is a hey hey mama said the way you oh, yeah. said the making make you sweat gonna make you yeah. groove. That's and a good one. Meta gin soak barroom queen in Memphis. Yes, that's another good one. That's yeah. another good one. All good. He didn't contribute. He, he's not up there. Come on, you got to come to the. Play. I'd have to have some more thinking on this. They kind of threw this on me on the spot. <laughs> We're visiting with Des Dickerson right now, the guitarist for Prince. And what are you working on right now? What's your next project? Man, I, it, again, I, I don't necessarily do a lot or all music. The big thing I'm working on right now is co-producing uh, a documentary kind of about okay. the the period of time that I was in the pre-revolution that became the revolution, uh, a film called Nothing Can Stop Us Now. And that's that's the biggest thing on the plate right now. When do you expect that to come out? Mm, probably early 2020. Nothing Can Stop Us Now. Nothing is what, Can Stop Us I'll now. be on the lookout for that. I've been on a, a rock documentary kick lately, awesome. so i got to add that to my list. Thank you so much my this was real for fun. joining us. Real this was fun. a lot of fun. Yeah, glad you stopped by. It's Sports Talk Mississippi live at the Delta Soul Charity Golf Event, benefiting the Steve Azar St. Cecilia Foundation. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. Check, check one. Where's all my bio? Five o'clock hour on this Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm in Greenville this afternoon at the Delta Soul Charity Golf Event benefiting the Steve Azar St. Cecilia Foundation and none other than Steve Azar himself sitting across the table from us right now. Everybody listens sick of me, so uh, we have Matt Duff, and, uh, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm happy that uh, he's my sidekick right now. But well, uh, no, it's always good. I appreciate you guys coming. I tried to put your father-in-law on the spot. Yeah. And I asked him, oh, I'm interested. what song did you make that he liked the least? So I'm going to ask you the same question. He didn't answer. He, he said answer he likes them. He said he's a fan of yours. He would not give us any negative. It's my father-in-law right Is there. there a song that's that, right there. That's solid right that there. you've you written? That kind of backing from your in-laws? I, don't, I had a whole album that I wrote that was just, just you, that, I always claimed Waiting on Joe, my record, is my first album. And there was an album in the mid-90s that I made. Uh, that was just trash, <laughs> and uh, it was trash. Guys. Start to finish, just well, by uh, Matt. I mean, let me let me put it in perspective. Yeah. I'm trying to put it in perspective. If you, is there any, is there any batting uh, percentage that's lower than zero? No, well, that's what I not, did. Not that I know. Lower of. Than zero. I mean, I did lower below than zero. the Mendoza line is pretty bad. But let me tell you what, it was a bad experience because my producer wanted me to play golf with him. I said I'd go into Chicago, and there was I'm a guy that loves minimal tracks, so. Bare bones, you know what I mean. You come from where we come from. Yeah. You don't need a lot of stuff. You start filling up a track with a bunch of noise. Man, he had he had one track of the song that had 144 tracks. He had, you know, 30 claps, 30 tracks. I mean, it takes up all this space. But anyway, the record was bad. And um, anyway, it's, it's what hard. was it called? I can't tell you. <laughs> I, can't tell. I song, forgot. Are the I songs forgot. available on iTunes? Yeah. You know, oh God, you, I can't run that far from them. 
They're horrible. It's horrible. They're on there. Hey, listen, my kids, it's a great, but it's a great thing. Here's the shining, what do you call it? What do you call it when something's silver, silver lining? lining? Yeah, well, it's more like a bronze at whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, r- r- here's the rust lining. The rust lining is when my kids struggled with things, I would play that for them, and they said, that's bad. And I went, yeah, and they would go, oh, they felt better. So I felt like that's why I did it. <laughs> We've had a debate on this show. <laughs> we asked Des the same question, yeah. and we'll ask you. The greatest opening line to any song ever. We used rock songs at first, but now we've expanded. The greatest opening line to any song ever. Okay. Oh, man, that's a tough one, isn't it? Mine was... What was yours? Meta Gin Soak Barroom Queen in Memphis. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, we got stones there, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, what would yours be? Maybe a Chris Ledoux song, I was thinking. Love Chris. Um, Mississippi Boy, by the way. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'd have to think about that. It's a big question. Yeah. Um, I was question. not expecting this to be music. Yeah. Let me tell you, let me let me tell you what um, one I knew my, was we'll Steve, divert to baseball you know, here yeah, real but, quick, no, I promise. No, but let me let me tell you what I'm gonna tell you a, a favorite we've got him, he's here. He was one of my mentors. Mark Allen Springer wrote many hits, but one of his hits that Waylon cut and uh and also Travis Tritt made it a, took it to number I think I, I might have been number one. It was a top five record. It go I love it. Hard times are real, there's dusty feels, no matter where you go. These coming up. But you might change your mind because the weeds are high where corn don't grow. Now, come on. That's, that's a good, good line. That's, a good, that's line. good. Come on. You might change your mind, but the weeds are high where corn don't <laughs> that grow. That is a good line. Come on. So we'll turn the page now. We'll talk a little baseball. How locked in are you, Matt, on College World Series stuff? A little bit because of Ole Miss, obviously. I'm mm-hmm. a little more locked in with the major leagues, um, just kind of with the recent – uh, calling of Austin Riley. I was living in DeSoto County, so yeah. he's a hometown boy. I got to watch him in high school. He's playing and then, okay. Yeah, he's doing well. And I was actually in Atlanta. Chipper had something at the ball game that night, and so about 10 o'clock that morning. It's the first day I had gotten home. I've been in the Midwest for a couple mm-hmm. months. And he said, your boy's getting called up. It's about 10 in the morning. So we got to go to the game. I got to see Austin before the oh, game. Wow. And then it's a bomb. And then his parents, I you know, knew some, some similar people that knew his parents. So I got to kind of see them and relive my whole kind of call up with him. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's just doing way better than I did when I got <laughs> called up. I was a cup of coffee. But it's been I've been following those guys. And I, I don't mean to date you, yeah. but, but you played in the bigs in 2002. Yep. 17 years, how much has the game changed, and do you like the direction it's going? I, it's funny you ask that because I was with Josh Hader, who's a good friend of mine, so I took him fishing a couple weeks ago, yeah. and and I was asking him what he thinks the difference in all these guys that are throwing hard. When I got called up to St. Louis, Jason Isringhausen threw mid to upper 90s, but then there was only a couple of other guys in our organization that threw mid-90s, and now everybody, you throw 95-plus mm-hmm. or you're not playing – and he started going into all this analytics. He goes, we have so much more information now with our bodies and how to throw harder, how to spin pitches better. And it's, I think it's good for the game, um, you know, watching guys like Trevor Bauer that are real into analytics and stuff. Um, I just kind of blown away by watching talent seem to get younger and younger and better and better. So yeah. you see a guy like Austin up doing what he's doing. Um, I think it's exciting. You do, know? You have, do you have a lot of analytics in Major League bow hunting? Yeah, yeah, we, you know, not near as much as they in baseball now. I mean, bow hunting has kind of gone that way. Technology in general has changed, and so that's kind of why we, when we started Major League Bow Hunter, the TV show, it was based on 
the Major League Baseball. It was, you know, the stuff when, when we had to be physically prepared, mentally prepared, what was your equipment. Um, that's kind of what the show is about, is about trying to repeat your success as a bow hunter year in and year out. And that, you know, equipment, knowing your you know, what the deer are doing at certain times of the year, just like if I'm coming in to close and I've got a three-run lead, I know the guy's trying to get on base, not hit a, a three-run homer when nobody's on. So what are my strengths to that hitter's weakness? So we kind of liken that to bow hunting. How do we, you know, be successful with, with bow hunting year in and year out? You, got to, you, know? you get to fulfill what a lot of guys' dreams would be. You were a major league baseball player, and now you hunt for a living. Yeah. 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 I, you we used to always kind of joke about baseball being the off season. Yeah, you know, so all the guys that play that, that play ball that hunt kind of gravitate toward each other. And um, you know, I had a, a brief stint in the big leagues, but played minor league ball, and that gave me an opportunity, which is how I met Chipper really uh, through a minor league teammate. And it was through hunting that we met. I never faced him on the field. Came close one night when he was on deck, but um, it's been fun. And then being such good friends with him and business partners, getting to hang around the ballpark. And, you know, getting to see guys like Mickey Calloway that I played with at Ole Miss. When the Mets came to town, I got to go and mm-hmm. see him, stuck my head in and gave him a hidey tidy, you know, and yeah. he spun around like who the hell is But uh, it, can, cool. I, can I ask you something? Let me butt in as a – Go for it. Talk, you know, anyway. Uh, <laughs> where was the brainstorm for you guys? So you're hunting, you become pals. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when we'd do that, where guys, we'd play basketball or, or golf or whatever in Nashville and – and uh, we'd do that for a long time, became really good friends, and finally write some songs that sort of stuck. Where was y'all's brainchild? How did it all go down? Well, I, I started spending some time down at his ranch helping with some of his clientele that came down on guided hunts and things. And, um, and so that's kind of where it started. And then just kind of our passion for hunting, When because I, I, I kind of grew up a Chipper fan, being from Mississippi. And when I yeah. was at Ole Miss, you know, he was – kind of the, the, the golden child of the South and the Braves were winning the World Series and he had just gotten called up and I was an infielder in high school and so, you know, he was one of my favorite players. And when I got to see him off the field hunting, he was kind of a different person. He's so stoic in the media if you've watched him over his career yeah. and you know, and all that. And so when we started kind of filming some of the stuff we were doing, I was like, you know, this would be entertaining to a lot of people. And so I just started cutting little videos. And, you know, just with, a, you know, an Apple computer. And I'd give it to him for baseball season. We'd take it and show it to our buddies. And so right about the time I was like, you know, this could be something where we could make a business out of it is when yeah. we ran into Willie Robertson, obviously a duck commander. Right. They were starting a deer thing. And <laughs> we had kind of been thinking about it. So we jumped in with Willie. And that's we started Buck Commander in 2006. And then, uh, and then broke off in 2010 for Major League Bowhunter. And we've been doing that now for nine years. That's great. So. You done the exotic hunting yet? What's we the haven't. Thing? You haven't done no, that yet? No, it's mainly it's our bread and butter, whitetail, mm-hmm. uh, elk hunting. We go we're not, out. We're down. talking exotic possum, uh, exotic <laughs> raccoon, uh, armadillo. I'd like to go to Africa. Haven't been yet. But mm-hmm. it's mainly, you know, what we grew up on. Yeah. Um, we've done a lot of episodes in Mississippi right down the road in alligator, which are some of our most um, – responsive episodes people like people are so used to in outdoor television seeing all the premier spots you know and right. it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know you know all the nice golf courses around the country and then there's all these hidden gems you don't know about well when we do these mississippi episodes and see the caliber of deer that you know we've got on the farm people are really kind of yeah. impressed and, and mississippi has grown from that aspect right. we don't have a lot of time left but every time somebody's in two fields I like to ask an either or kind of question would you rather 
have struck out a batter to win the World Series, or would you rather absolutely get, get the yes? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what the other yeah, one was. Yeah, right. Yeah, that uh, would have been like, really I was like a, a state record buck. Would you rather yeah. take that down? I no, I, I you know the deer hunting part of it is something more that I enjoy and have a passion more for. for the hobby. Is yeah, and, and I get more of a, a self satisfaction having my family and friends involved. But baseball definitely would have been striking somebody out. Is, I'm out here music. Is going yeah. into a break. We got time for you. Yeah, real real quick, just want to say this is the the heart of these guys. I mean, I, I've just met I just met Matt, and uh, I was on the phone with him, and he, he's gonna he's gonna donate a couple of big hunts with oh, wow. uh, with with him and Chipper, and and I got a lot of friends that you know that don't have any other clothes but blaze orange and camouflage. Yeah. Trust <laughs> me. So, uh, and you've been around a few of them already, but just to show you the heart the heart of this guy. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. what this event's all about, and about guys like this. So I appreciate you coming. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. We get a text here from Bradley and Marietta that said, Mississippi is lucky to have Steve Azar as a hometown boy ambassador. So our I listeners seem to like it. And what's his name, her name? Bradley. 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 You're my man. Thank you, Bradley. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank Studio. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. A couple submissions on the greatest opening line in rock music history. One of them, we we got the right to choose it. There ain't no way we'll lose it. This is our life. This is our song. That's up your alley there. Hey, Dad. Yeah, that's some good 80s rock there. I'm all about mm. that. 80s rock was pretty good. Love I'm gonna go, You know what, though? This one going to surprise you, but with Will and Eupora, he said, I'll love her till I die. That's that's a great start. That's that, that, that's high that, high level there. That may be hard to overcast. Will, that was, that was money there. And the last one here, even though it's not the opening line, it's still just a great song. Bob Seger, I woke last night to the sound of thunder. How far off Spin I sat it. and wondered. Spent yeah. a year on the road with Bob Seger. How was that? It was incredible. He, he, I was I spent just uh, every arena together and multiple times, and he was just he's a good man. And and uh, I, his Christmas cards are crazy. Is so it? <laughs> he's a good, really good dude. Is it weird that I mean, you know, he's been touring for decades and he sells out arenas. That I still think he's the most underrated rock performer of all time. He's a, I don't. I mean, he's he, he sells every one of them as long as he wants to play overnight. In fact, we were the last act. Before they turned the pyramid into the Bass Pro Shop, Bob and I were the last ones to play. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. That's a trivia question. That other voice you heard is Chris Cheddar. She spent some time on the LPGA Tour, and they're in the middle of a, of a match out here on the golf course in Greenville. <laughs> we, 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 we got word. are taking your opponents to the woodshed. We got word that y'all are smoking so these guys. So, so this is our, our time, right? Oh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got my Floor pro, is yours. I've got my pro on my side. Chris, we're, so we're 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 pounding uh, oh, our buddy Harold Lewis and it's Andrew embarrassing and I, for them. It's a blowout, and we've been chattering for three three weeks now. Yeah, and uh, they're out there right now practicing because it didn't turn out. Was it a lot of? Be. Well, they had a lot of a lot of talk, but not a lot of play. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, I could see that. It was it was. I don't even know these people, I hope, but I can see. I hope that. they're listening right now. Oh, <laughs> if they're not, we're gonna find. We'll we'll get this on social it's media. Okay, the rest of the state is. So yeah, the right people know what's going on. Well, they can't beat us. Uh, they cannot beat us. Eighteen holes is impossible. Oh, it is uh, impossible uh, yeah, for sure. Yes, anyway. <laughs> By the way, all guests join us via the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. So, just how bad are you beating? Them? Oh, we're up. We're <laughs> up. Not really. We're, yeah, we're not up. 
Yeah, we, we gave are. you the we're, opportunity. We're way up, Steve. Honesty came through. I can't lie the, uh, the whole way. I mean, I, yeah, that was too much. Let's just talk about what's going to be. Let's talk what's about who at shot 18. the lowest. At 18, will, it will come 18, back. 18, I mean, we're going to be Who shot the lowest beaten. nine holes in British Open history? Yeah, right let's talk about that. Right here. Yeah, let's, who? let's hear oh, it. Oh, it's me. <laughs> it was you. Forgot Brag on yourself for a second. What was that like? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I actually finished, and I I didn't even realize it. I mean, yeah. I, my caddy said so to you me, "You had tunnel vision." Oh, yeah, he's like, he's like, "Do you realize what you just shot?" And I was like, "No." He goes, "You just shot eight under." I went, "Really?" On nine holes. <laughs> You're kidding me. Come on, man! She birdied every hole but one. It was so easy. Yeah, what happened on that one though? <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, actually, she eagled that one. I made I made two eagles. Oh, so I, wow. I, there were three pars in Was there. it St. Andrews? Right? Uh, it was um, oh, Royal Burkdale. Wow. Here, let me, you know, I was also, um, we were just talking about this last week, so this is why I bring it up. I was also the U.S. Open low tournament record holder uh, for like 45 minutes until Annika Sorenstam finished. <laughs> Same the same day. Same yeah, she broke it the same day. But you wow. still got to hold it at least. I held, for... you know, all I'm saying is I held the seventy hold, seventy two hold scoring record for forty five minutes. So let's not talk about that. I mean, That's do we thing. need to? Did you no. need this to bring that up? This is a positive day. No. Positive. Yeah. We're, we're having a great. Day. I also guess... held what the low eighteen hole U.S. Open scoring record. What was it about you that you felt until? Like... Beth Daniel broke it the <laughs> next oh, day. Oh, very nice. oh, okay, let's talk. What, what is it about getting hot like that? Like just really just getting hot. You know, it's just it's fun. You yeah. just you just gotta enjoy it and and you know just wait for someone to come in and beat your record. Yeah, yeah, well, you'd have to wait too long. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to wait too long. You're that's right. A, that's an entire Mississippi minute. <laughs> Oh, you see how we brought that around? Of course. Yeah, it's less than a Mississippi minute. <laughs> how did you two get in touch? Pals, right? Well, uh, long time now. We, uh, we uh, He was in Sioux Falls, which is my hometown, yeah. playing in a, um, a fundraiser charity yeah. event there. And we just hit it off. It was like, this. he's my brother. Yeah, this, she's this, a sister. Yeah. True sister. Yeah. yeah. And she sounds like us. As you can tell. Yeah. 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 Oh, you betcha. <laughs> yeah. Don't you know? Now she's, now there, there's a lot of that close to you. I thought she you. was from Winston County. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there's a lot of that close to you, right? I yeah, mean, like in my hometown not, of not South much, Dakota. But when you get toward, <laughs> when South you get toward well, it is South Minnesota, Dakota. South Dakota. North Dakota. I know. Well, first of all, I got to give kudos to the city of Fargo. First of all, it's nothing <laughs> like the movie. I mean, the Fargo. Thank been, God for that. Well, well maybe, maybe I a played. little. I think my aunt was in that movie. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. But the, the the voices are, but the people, but the place is. You know, it's a nice town. It made yeah. it look like it was. Which, there are places in the middle of nowhere, right? Oh yeah. Out there, but you know, and it gets cold, right? It good football up, up there it too. It does get cold. Well, yeah, you know, it's they pretty, keep winning titles up there. But you know what? North the Dakota people. State, right? Yes, they do. A heck yeah. of a football team. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but the people are great in the Midwest. You know, they're mm -hmm. just, they're open and, uh, yeah, kind of like in the South, though. You know, you know what the f small world of it all is? When when Chris, I met Chris, uh, some of the people that, brought, that ended up meeting came down here, the Swedes and all that. And then, uh, I didn't know it, but my, Scott Nagy, who was our point guard at Delta State for Gerald, with Gerald Glass before Gerald went to Ole Miss, 
Um, they made a Final Four, and Scott's been the, the coach at South Dakota State for 21 years, and now he's at Wright State, winner. You know, he's already been to March of Madness once, won two conference titles, won a, won a tournament, and won a title. And uh, he just knows how to win, but I hadn't seen him since college, since Delta State. And you're talking about, you know, what, two years ago? Yeah, maybe, something like maybe that. Maybe 32 years ago. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> listen, Who's counting? it was a long time ago. We're not counting. A long time ago. But not I love how the, the course world, either. You, no, you should no, stop. no, I know. No. <laughs> like we're, but, yeah, like. but the truth is, the the world as you travel and you're able to travel, it gets really small. Really small. I know it's a cliche, but I'm telling you, man, you you, you got to be careful. You got to be good on all cylinders because you never know who you're going to run to in in Latvia. You know, you don't. <laughs> or you can <laughs> be right. like me and never travel, and so the world still looks big. <laughs> it, it's okay. Well, you could do that. Right. <laughs> you, you're in a good spot though. I you're think traveling. That's right. Your voice yeah, is I'm tra- here. Your voice is traveling. Yeah. Wait, wait. What? What's the donut place here that's so good? Shipley's. Shipley's. Oh, let me. I, I, I will vouch hot. for Shipley's donuts. Can we get some? When they're hot, is it anything better? Oh my gosh! No. And it's dangerous, almost. You know? They are you know addictive what? I, substance. They're better than that other donut place that's so. It doesn't matter what the other donut, donut place you're talking sign. about is. Yeah, if that has a hot sign. They're not even close. Hot sign. It'd be like, There'd be traffic. You couldn't get out anywhere in town. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. God. At 7 a.m. You think that hot sign's on right now? Cause no, no, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. They might be worth sign. finding out. Yeah. They don't want a hot sign because they, their donuts are so good they don't need it. They don't even need it, yeah. No. I'll vouch for that. Hey, how many can you eat <laughs> when they're hot? <laughs> that's like, it's like you know, asking me how many breaths can I take in a day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, pretty, that's a lot. I'll, I'll, as, as many as you want to put down in front of me, that I'll was, make them disappear. That was very romantic, by the way. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> Right? He said breasts. I think you oh. heard something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, man. Hey, we started when? with naked butts. Now, I mean, we're just Boy, going just to the so other you side. Know. Boy, Ooh, Steve's in the know, mood. My wife listens to this show. And, uh, honey, uh, I, so I said breaths. Uh, so. She can't wait for you to come home. Oh, more than usual, my yeah. friend. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What's amazing is I, I knew exactly yeah. what was she going She knew where on. I was going. Yeah. I was not. And going. I knew where he was going. You were the conduit. I'm going to, you, you, you were know, the, the middleman. I'm just going to warn Gwen. The donuts are delicious. That's the main point we're a, trying to make. Can I tell a funny story? Bring it on. Yeah, please. Oh, my gosh. So, a, a We don't have few, time, do we? Oh, yeah. we, we, we oh, make yeah. good. We'll know, make time. He knows my know. stories. Look out. I'm scared no. of this one. No, no, no. This is, it's so cute. So, you were singing. And this was like at the the final, you know, at the wherever. We won't talk about where we were <laughs> that year. Uh-huh. But but Steve was up singing, and I was standing next to Gwen. And, you know, she's watching, and she looks at me. She goes, you know what? I think I might take that boy home tonight. Oh, she said that? <laughs> and I was like, I think you should. I need to call her on that. <laughs> <laughs> huh. It was so cute. It that. was so cute. I never, I get, go get the call, go get me coffee. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I love you, Glenn. <laughs> hey, I'm, I am going to tell you uh, that uh, what was the uh, – I can't remember. I'm losing my mind. What's happening to me? This is what you – know, I've been pulled Where by am all I? of these people. What like, am I? God, talking about my mind is so bad. Okay, wait, let's think about, about it. I talk about something that we did that was, that was a compliment to you. But oh, no, well, uh, wait a minute. Give him a minute. Give him a minute. We want to get this think in. Think about yeah. it. You'll, it'll come back yeah, we to you. we got plenty of time. This is why my show is taped. <laughs> right? I know that feeling right there. Will, Will right now is going like, I said, I like to do Paul's show. Just for hey, the when he's out right of town. And he goes, I got to have you live first. Well, he's, I just blew my audition. No, this has been, over. It's been the best radio we've done all yeah, day. Yeah, Maybe yeah. all week. Oh, it could be. <laughs>
We, we wait, didn't mention sports wait, one time. Wait, can this we, best radio can we come on. back when he remembers no, the it compliment? Was, it yes, was the absolutely. Greg, we'll get it. You it was the Greg meeting Greg Williams at your event, and he was from here. Anyway, I know now. I know what it was. <laughs> when we come back, Write we'll, it we'll, down. We'll, we'll finish this story Write when we down. come back. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. You won't give us five more minutes. We'll finish this story next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Having a lot of fun today in Greenville. More coming up. Seriously. fun on this Thursday afternoon. Greg in Jackson says, best show ever in all caps. And he said, and I've been listening since day one. Oh, wow. Do I get wow. a raise? Well, that, do I, I mean. We get a raise. I Where's think Steve Davenport? <laughs> Davenport, Steve-O, I know you're at the Ole Miss. I need a raise. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy, Steve Azar, and Chris Cheddar, former LPGA Tour player. Now permanent members right of, the, now. of the Richard Sound. We're well, keeping them on. Richard's going to be upset. Well, you know, he's got more free time to do the things he loves, like look at pocket squares. And, 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 he's looking at pocket squares. Oh, and he's a maestro. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He's you know, got a whole got, suitcase full of them. I got like 10 of them one time, I think recently for Christmas, and I don't know what to do with my Give them to Richard, man. He'll be your best friend I don't know how to fold them. I don't know what to do. You, you can look it up on YouTube or something, about. and it's still too hard to do. Pocket, I, I, they're in your pocket. We wear a jacket. It's for men that want to be really, really fancy. Yeah, well, but don't like, need to used to be, be handkerchiefs back in the day, but now they they, they serve no they serve no function. Well, no, they just they're just Steve, there. But I can't with this much hairspray as you use, you should. I got, I've got well, I got endorsed Uh-oh. by hair hair companies. What are you talking about? I have to do it. I think I am wired. Look, here's here's what I was gonna say. Let's hear. I was, it. This is this is another version of small world stuff. So you invited me to do your charity event, and it was uh it was Amy Grant. And me and my, our buddy Larry Stewart, who was a mutual friend for years, and we didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And Brantford Marcellus, another, yeah. another mutual friend. And we're on stage doing doing sort of a sharing of songs, you know, sort of songwriter deal. And one of the guys comes up to me, and it's Greg Williams. Well, I just had, I just did two days uh, a few weeks ago of the Greg Williams story. He grew up Christian school here, walked on to everything possible, and mattered every step of the way. His story is incredible. It's Rudy on steroids times times ten. And uh, I hadn't, you know, he was a, he was one of the, believe it or not, I'd think about him and his story and I didn't really know him, but I knew it. I knew from a distance, the underdog approach. Right. Uh, and playing with a chip on his shoulder. So I was sort of channel that when I was struggling mm-hmm. in the business. I really would. And so there he was. And he ends up going all the way and winning a Super Bowl, you know, and mattered in the playoffs and impossible journey, impossible. And I felt like mine, in a way, was a lot of impossible. I didn't have a hit until I was 37. You know, it was a, when did you start? I started, well, he's I started only 38 when I was, now. I started when I was nine. Thank you for that. It's like, <laughs> but really start. When, you, when that when was, was not, sole 10 focus. Or 11. Oh, I was focused at four, 13 or 14. Wow. But, but, but not capable. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's part of the deal. But, but the bottom line was, there he was. And I, and I said, oh, my gosh, you know. And I met him through you. That, because he stayed in D.C. And I tried to get him to come this year. It just didn't work out. But uh, his story was so moving to hear it, and it was just over more than anything I've ever thought. I mean, you know, it was crazy. Yeah. But through you. Well, and I, I don't know if that was a compliment, but it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> I'll think of something to compliment you. Yeah. 
I'm kind you, of you struggling to find the compliment. Our there, listeners, but if sometimes not, if you get one, I guess you just got to yeah, take it. Okay, you know? thank you. Listen, by the way, you're, you're, you're beautiful. <laughs> you are. There's so there one. There okay, now lady. I just know she's you're a, lying. She, she's all heart, man. She's all heart. She's great. She's and, a great lady. Qu- Quinn texted in and said you're cool. So <laughs> at least at least you, you, you get one of those as well. And by the way, apparently this is the best show ever, according to another texter from the 662, because Hey Dad said breast. I did here. not. I did not say that. <laughs> I, want, I want a replay on that. I want a replay. <laughs> you know, that's really, it's funny how you heard that. I would have never said that on the radio. <laughs> and I would have never heard it on the radio. Like, I am pure. <laughs> I would have never heard that on the radio. You're in trouble. I believe you. We were supposed to ask you, by the way, your favorite opening line to a song. My favorite opening line. Well, let me think. There is this Steve Azar song. Dang right. That I think is one of the best. And it starts out, let me think. (laughs) Oh, God. Do you want me to help you? You might need a silver whistle and an old clipboard. Um. Polo shirt and a pair of gray and a shorts. Pair of gray in that shorts summer haze. In that summer Remember haze. Remember those two a day. Two a days. Oh God. It's a song called The Coach. Yeah. Other than a ten pound sack of nails. Oh. He'd throw down his hat and start to yell at the top of his lungs. Front and center, son. You know what I'm talking about? What were you oh. thinking on that? <laughs> what were you thinking on, on that, that play? Take a lap and when you come back, maybe you'll do things my way. My way. Let me tell you why I don't let things slide, because if you can get through me, you can get through life. And round here, what I say goes, because I'm the coach. Is that pretty good? It it's is. pretty good. I it, knew that guy. I am telling you, it's the best song, and you can just see it in your mind. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't love that coach while, that... I was, yeah. while I was playing for him, and he was 100% right. Yeah. And I felt like that was my, my – What's for, the next? I was asking goes, for forgiveness. That's probably a sentiment that's shared swear, across the country. Right? Because he yeah. was, he was really right, and I was wrong. I, I, that was my, I, I was asking for forgiveness in that song, man. I, I rode the uh, let's see, uh, uh, broke his rules. Broke and rode his rules. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I could run. I could catch. He, I told him that ain't fair. He said uh, he just gave me that concrete stand. It's <laughs> <laughs> son in life. There's two referees. One you can and cannot see, and win or lose. Well, that's up to you. Yeah, there you go. That's good stuff. It's a great song. I mean, Will, it, it Will. Might, what's Will doing in the studio? Be, Cue it up. It should be your should be theme a, song. It's a long one, though. Maybe. But it yeah, is. He can find I'm, it. So, so, so let me just tell you. As so, long as you won't sue us for, for using it for too long, you know. Yeah. Keep it. Oh. Yours. I'll give it to you. Here it is. The Coach by Steve Azar. Oh, I love this song. he throw down his head and start to yell at the top of his lungs. Front and center, son. Front and center. <laughs> I've never heard this before. The hidden way. Yeah, I always like the hidden ones. If you'll let us, we're going to use this on our show some. You can have it. I'm giving it to you. I'm granting it to you. Listen, I found a a home, thank goodness, for a Mississippi Minute, my song. It's all about giving them a home. I need a home. I'm asking you to take my... We will adopt it. It is our best song. (laughs) Anybody who's ever played sports... Will relate to it this resonates. song. Yeah, they're you know the. I'll tell you what. That... My, the, if Mark Allen Springer's coming up soon, he was one of my mentors, big hit songwriter, great basketball player. Got all his cuts on the basketball court. All the Kenny Chesney number ones. Kenny Chesney wanted to be a basketball player, couldn't. Mark Allen was legit. He was Mr. Arkansas in basketball as a kid. 
um, played at UCA. Pippen was sitting on the bench before he grew. Right. But uh, legit, I'm talking about really do it. He got all of his cuts basically on the basketball court. And this man's got a song called Bigger Than the Ball. It's really great. I mean, mm. he's a great songwriter. But anyway, there you go. A couple this more texts here. This song reminds texts? me of my ballet teacher. Oh. I thought my name. Wait, can I? What does that? What does that mean? Can I swear on this show? It no. depends. Uh, you got seven seconds. Uh, we'll uh, avoid it. Okay. Well, I thought my name was Kristen. Darn it. Uh, <laughs> Kristen. Oh yeah. Get your leg up, Kristen. Were you a good dancer? Well. To be golf. To help I, your golf game. Let me just say. If I could, if I was as good a dancer as I was golfer, I would be in New <laughs> hey. York. Well, I'd be retired from New York let City me, Ballet me, right now. Let me tell you what the difference in, in in vocal though. That was my voice, like I said before throat surgery. So mm-hmm. I was struggling. My range had gone away. I had all this noise in my voice. Well, versus sun, my song "Sunshine" or Monday, my voice is clearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to endure. Uh, everybody goes, "What? Where'd you go after waiting on?" Well, I had to have throat surgery, and I was. Two or three years of fighting it. So. Was it oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hard. But Wait, anyway, a that fighting was, throat surgery, and then how long? They was didn't the want recovery? me to have throat surgery because they were worried about that. So the the but the the songs like the coach was when my voice was beat up to heck, and so when I came back and tried to resing it, it was too pretty. I couldn't do it. I had. Oh to, well, you know, he. You can't I don't mean help that. I don't mean that in a bad pretty, way. My Steve. point was that song. No, had to no, be, that makes sense. It didn't. It, I didn't believe it. That's the guess. You can't the, sing a football song pretty. No, no, no. <laughs> Speaking of voices, one of our listeners is enamored with your voice. Oh, wow. And they, they want you to say a word. They want you to say mosquito. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um, mosquito. I said I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't understand, understand why that word. You know, I felt like wait, we were in the movie. Wait, are we going to hear the answer? <laughs> like, why I don't know why. Word? Hopefully we'll, we'll, they'll well, text us and let us know. Paul mosquito. in Greenville says, uh, right here in Greenville, yeah. says, honestly, I agree. One of the best shows ever. From the 601, I'm forced to listen we to your show do. every single day. Wait a minute. Day. This wait, is the best what? one ever. What are they, ever? chained up in a, in a, in a basement? <laughs> Listen, listen. I've got. I've seen some going like, "What? Why is these are on the radio?" I mean, you know, I got beat. I get beat up a little bit, but I can take it. I can oh my I can gosh! I I, li- I would listen to you all the time, Steve. Yeah, well, there's there's Tim and McGee is a big fan of you. Says Steve brought a lot of good radio to this station to go along with the rest. Y'all are oh, great. Yeah. You must be carrying us today. Yeah. Hey, people don't like our show. Yeah. People like what these got, two have brought to Houston, our show we, for we, the we last twenty minutes. We got a question for That's Steve what's too. Happened. Houston's my new agent. Anyway, we, we got a, someone wants to wants to ask if you remember the Junction in Marks, Mississippi. Well, I have a song called The Junction, yeah. all about Marks, Mississippi. You know, that, so he must that, remember that place, it. Grendel. I used to watch the man pull. Grab two guys fighting. Grendel would grab one in one arm, one in the other, and carry them out. Unbelievable memories. Uh, it was one of those places where we cut our teeth playing. And, and that club in Grendel, it was like one of the most uh, honest club owners in the world. Now he's a judge and an attorney there. So, But beautiful but memories, man. That was when he cut our teeth and learned how to play. Yeah. What I couldn't forget. Sadly, we've got to take a break. Aww. But but this has been, been a lot of fun. Just a when ton of fun. When can we come back? Any any time you want to come back on the show, it's an open invitation. Sports Talk Mississippi, right. new, our new golf anytime. analyst is Chris Cheddar. Anytime we want to talk golf, we're calling you. Oh wait a minute, I, I'm sorry, I don't talk. I don't talk golf. We're not a sports is show. Is this a sports anymore. show? It's supposed to be, but it's been really good. I, I, we've had a lot of fun. And thank you both for stopping by. Thank, thank you for I, having hey, us. Thank you guys. For we got to get back to our match now. Go yeah. win. Yeah, go turn it around. We we'll are take here. Turn it around. We're killing them. At the Delta Soul Charity Golf we've, Event, benefiting the Steve Azar St. Cecilia Foundation. 
just Google Delta Soul Charity Golf Event. You can see how you can be a part of this great event. It's great to be here. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studios. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. We're not going to waste any time. One more time on this Thursday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. All guests appear via the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mark Allen Springer. Name you may not be familiar with, but it's uh, a guy that has written a lot of songs You're that familiar you with are familiar with. You are familiar with his work, one of the heroes behind the scenes in country music. Thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon. Can't believe you have to follow those two clowns, but I guess somebody has to do it. Good thing I wasn't listening. Good thing I wasn't listening. You got me? There we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that actually could have been a really good interview. <laughs> <laughs> so My best interview yet. Yeah, so the songwriting process. I mean, you've written for Charlie Daniels. Uh, you've written for Kenny Chesney. Is there ever a feeling that you get of you wrote this song, but they're performing it, and it's theirs, but do you ever feel kind of jealous that, hey, that's my work, but they're getting the credit for it? Uh, till you go to the mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Realize, you know, they're on the radio and I mean, they're on the, the road, you know, working really, that's a, that's a tough life. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I came to town to Nashville as an artist, uh, mm-hmm. recording artist for MCA and I did a little project with RCA. And so I kind of got my little bit of taste of that, which, um, which, which was fun, but you know, I, you know, coming from a, a sports background, to, whatever you can do to accomplish uh, the goal and the mission, and mm-hmm. whoever's involved, the record label, the artist, and whomever gets the song out there, where you know you're successful to some degree, uh, whatever works works for me. You, know, you, you kind of learn to play the game, and and uh, and, and ironically, um, most of my songs I've got recorded came from a basketball court because I played basketball in college, that? and so. Um, but anyway, so a lot of those guys were friends and played ball together chesty and i played basketball together and hmm. and uh, a lot of the folks that recorded my songs through the year so uh no it was kind of like a we won you know right. when, when you get a hit on the uh radio you um, you're just glad it happened however yep. it happened cause it's so difficult to happen really where do you where do you even begin when you when you have to sit down and think i need to write a song where do you start um you know usually for me it's an idea it's something i've had in my head for a long time that I've, that's uh you know i mean one of my first uh hit songs a song called um where corn don't grow it's pretty much about a rural area like this i grew up in you know, arkansas on a rice farm and so sitting on the front porch kind of uh between getting back on the tractor at lunch uh when we're on the tractor all morning and taking a break at lunch looking out there thinking as a kid i don't want to do this yeah. i don't want back in that dust and you know and, and then you realize when you move out of there that that's better than you thought it was and you kind of miss that that growing up back home and so that's kind of what that song's all about so it's pretty yeah. much uh you know for me all from here yeah for, for me and sometimes you make up something <laughs> and it sounds cool and you run with it yeah but you fake it but but for the most part there's usually something in my songs that's that's a little bit of me somewhere there sure is that what is, does a successful song need to have that? Can you, you know, write a song and not have part of yourself in it? I, I think so. And I, I, th- I think the key is connecting with with an audience. It's it's just that simple. You know, there there have been artists and that that probably weren't the greatest singers, but they, they connected. You hear, turn your radio on now, and you'll hear guys. You think, well, I don't think he's a very good singer, but he connected with that 
audience. Sure. That, you know, he was kind of their their anthem guy. So um, um so I, I don't um, it, it it takes just connecting with the listeners and enough of those to you yeah. know to obviously. You know, radio. You have to have enough uh, to be a hit. Yeah, you have to have enough of those people out there all over the country, and, right. and every radio station. You know, putting that thing in heavy rotation to be a number one song. Mark so. Allen Springer joins us. We're live in Greenville at the Steve Azar Charity Golf Event. Well, I guess it's called Delta Soul technically, yeah. but uh, Steve Azar's putting it on. I mean, you've written for some of the greats in country yeah. music. Do you, modern country? I hear a lot of people that are that are big fans of it that that kind of down talk down about modern country and how it's not the same anymore. It's not Waylon Jennings. It's not that. What do you think about it? You know, when I first came to town, there were people complaining about what we were doing. You know, Alabama, they're progressive. You know, they're a band and, you know, and and even Chesney. And so – and Luke Bryan's a friend of mine. I met Luke on a basketball court. Took him to, I had it at a gym. <laughs> and he just so started playing him. more basketball. Yeah, and he hurt his back that night, so he never came back. <laughs> Which was a good move on his part. Uh, the choice, uh, the career's choice was good for him. But um, I, I, um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> we need to write. You'd be uh, a great co-writer. Uh, <laughs> modern you, you country. Know, oh, yeah. That's, that's a great question. Um, because I want to plug a guy that's here. Guy named Jay Burgess is here. He was a D1 quarterback in, for Tulsa. He was at Greenwood, mm-hmm. Arkansas. He was like 50 and one in his high school career. So I started to work with him. He's 22 or 23. Right. And what we're doing with him is kind of the old stuff, but it sounds like the new stuff. And it's kind of it's lyric driven, but it's got the drive of kind of today's right. track guys. And so, but but you know, in a long answer, I, I think it. Country needs to change. Uh, mm-hmm. Music evolves into different things, but it's also cyclical. Right. It'll come back to be a more of a traditional thing, and then it'll kind of go back into the other. I personally like the the, the 90s and 2000s music because I'm part of that more. <laughs> I hate I have to do this. We are just completely out of time sorry. today. Blame Steve for uh, taking up all sorry. our time. <laughs> no, but that won't be the first time. Mark, <laughs> Mark Allen Springer on the Farm Bureau guest line. Again, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We had an absolute blast at the Delta Soul Charity Golf event. For Richard Cross, who's off today, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and all of the great guests that join us, have a great and safe day. We'll be back tomorrow getting you ready for Super Regional Baseball. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Have a great night. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.